Lord. Let's give the Lord a, one more hand clap of praise. Amen. We're going to go to we're going to go to two places this morning. I want you to I want you to go to First Thessalonians five and just hold your place there. I promise you we'll eventually get there. But then I want you to go to Nehemiah six. Nehemiah six. Well, I, just a report from from Mexico. I just want to say that we just had a great time down there ministering with with Lonnie and Justin Harris and uh, Liz uh, down there, and we got to see the kids that we had the sports camp with, and uh, they're doing great. She took. 25 kids uh, to the celebration service. Uh, Denzel and Rebecca started out as a home church 30 plus years ago, and now they have 43 properties and about 30,000 adherents uh, to the gospel. So don't despise the small beginnings, amen? And so uh, they have a celebration service every year, and so this year they, and they'll bring in, uh, we'll have multiple services on Sundays, but I, I'm so excited to report over the course of the week we had, this is a conservative estimate, conservative estimate. We had probably 600, five to 600 people come to salvation over the course of about three or four days. So thank you for your prayers. We saw, we saw miracles of healing. We saw deliverance. And uh, we saw the power of God move. Amen. And so how many know that God wants to do that in Greenville, Texas? Amen. You seven or eight, you stick with me. We're going to see it. Amen. So that's why we, we, yay, praise God. Glory, adios. So let's look in our theme scripture as we've been in this series. We don't shrink back. We don't shrink back. And that comes from Hebrews 10, 39. But we are not of them who shrink back unto destruction, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. Now, with that in mind, I want you to look at Nehemiah, the sixth chapter, and I purposely want to read down to the, the, the first nine verses here. And as you turn there, let's go to the Lord once more, because we know without him we can do nothing. Father, we love you and we praise you, and Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord God, today, that Lord, your spirit, Lord God, is so rich and real. And Lord, I just believe, Lord, that you have destined and purpose, Lord God, these that are listening, Lord, right now. Those that you have called to this house, called to this place, called to their area of worship. But Lord, there is a move of your spirit, Lord God, that is coming upon the body of Christ. To transform, Lord God, generations and nations. And we just want to thank you, Father, for being the, having the privilege to be a part of this. And Lord, I ask for the yoke-crushing anointing that, Lord, we may be transformed by your revelation today. And everybody said, Amen. Nehemiah 6, let's start reading here. Nehemiah has gone back to Jerusalem. The walls have been torn down. He is rebuilding. It says, and now it happened when Sambalit, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, uh, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and there was no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors of the gates. So he went back. Jerusalem had been decimated been destroyed. The temple had been rebuilt, but the walls had still had laid in, laid in ruin. Nehemiah heard of the condition, felt an overwhelming burden to go back and to rebuild. And so he has rebuilt the walls, all but the few breaches, no breaches left, but he's got to hang the gates. Then Sambalit Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. 
Glad you picked up on that. <laughs> Don't accept an invitation to the plain of Ono. This is why. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent to them saying, I am doing a great work that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But when they sent, to, sent me this message four times, I answered them the same. Folks, you got to have your answer made up before the question ever comes. Amen? Once you make up your mind and you got the answer to the question, it doesn't matter what question comes because you've already got your pat answer. Amen? No. <laughs> the answer is E-N-O. No, 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 no. I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. I am set here where God has positioned me. I'm not shrinking back. Then Sambalit sent to his servant to me as before, the fifth time. <laughs> Relentless. With an open letter in his hand, and it is written, it is reported among the nations, Geshem says, uh, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. But you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, let us consult together. And he said to him, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all are trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will, be not, it will not be done. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen our hands. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen our hands. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen our hands to the work of God. We don't shrink back. But you look here to the word of the Lord, you see, there's a relentless invitation, a persuasion, an intimidation to get Nehemiah off the wall out into a plain, out into a village, out to dwell. Some translations say in the villages in the plain of Ono. He, he's wanting you to occupy this area of Ono. I'm sure it has other implications or meanings in their native language, but we understand what Ono is. It's a not a good place. It's not where you want to go. Not where you want to find yourself occupying. It is not the place that you need to be persuaded to step over into. The enemy would love nothing more. In fact, his somewhat relentless pursuit after you is to bring you into that dwelling place of, oh no. For what intent and purpose? To stop the work of God. My Lord, have mercy have they not in these last days attempted to stop the work of God? <laughs> Through what? Through persuasion. <laughs> 
Don't assemble. Don't get together. Don't do that. It's easier to just to just to occupy at home. It's easier just to just to dwell in your in in that place and not worry about uh, coming together. It's you you need to let somebody else take hold of that that position. You need to let somebody else take hold of that that place. We'll just back up and move away. See the origin. Nehemiah nailed them. Said they sent this letter. Now Geshem. He's not on Israel's side. He's not on Nehemiah's side. He's not, part of the, he's not part of the core group there. But he's saying that you want to rebel against the king. You're wanting to establish yourself as the king over the people. And Nehemiah nailed him. He said, look, you have invented this in your own mind. Is that not where the enemy tries to bring his persuasion? See, he has no dominion in this earth other than what you allow. I think many times we get, the, we get the understanding of the gospel mixed up. I believe God is sovereign. I believe he's absolutely sovereign. He's a sovereign God. And in his sovereignty, he created the domain and the dominion that we live in called the earth. The natural, the scene, where we live, where we occupy. And in that, he gave man authority on earth. And he said, because you have the authority... Whatever you allow will be allowed, and whatever you don't allow will not be allowed. So what we discover is God positions them in a garden called Eden, the dwelling place of God and man on earth. And in this garden, he puts two trees. He said the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And to partake of the knowledge of the good and evil, the moment you do that, death is going to enter into the world. So don't do that. Choose life, not death. But man was beguiled and they were deceived. And what did they do? They chose death. They chose to disobey. And in the disobedience, what happened? Death came to all humanity as a result. God did not bring death on earth. He said this is a cause and an effect. And if you defect from the word of God, this is what you get. And the Lord knew at the moment that they would partake. Now sin would go through generations and God could already see the end of the road. He understood that. But in so doing, all of the debauchery, all of the, all of the death that is in the world today is a result of man, not of God. Do you mean we bear responsibility? Maybe not for the original sin, but you were born into a world full of sin. You were born with a sin nature. But God gave us another option, another tree. A tree was planted on Golgotha's hill. It was the root out of dry ground. It was, it was a dead tree, but now we've got, we've got the fruit of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and if we look upon him, if we will accept him, if we will believe him, then we will partake. And now we have the acceptance of eternal life through the lordship of Jesus Christ because we died to self so that he may resurrect on the inside of us. Let me say to you today, if you have a belief in your heart that you cannot, that you have the resurrected spirit, but you have never died to self, then let me tell you, you've got a distorted view of Christianity. Because the only way Jesus could resurrect is he had first must die. 
And when he died, we died with him. And we can only rise if we die with him in our sins and say, God, no more of this. I need you. And so we surrender ourselves to the life of God. And God resurrects on the inside of us. That's all free. But see, the enemy starts with a thought. He just comes and he persuades with a thought. He comes with things like, come on over here with me. Come away. Come away. You know, is what you're doing really all that important? Is your presence really needed? Do you really have to be as faithful and as sold out as that slobbering, spitting preacher tells you? I can see in the spotlight all the spit going out. I understand. That's why I kind of stay back here. So we're going to issue some shields in the front. You want to say we're so fanatical about sold out? Because I don't know if you can make it without being sold out. I don't want to inch in and just barely make it. I want to bring as many with me as I can. (laughs) But see, there's been many a persuasive tactic of the enemy to persuade you what you're doing is not relevant, important, or of any value. it, It just starts with a thought. But you know, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions because they become habits. Watch your habits Because they become character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny. Just begins with a thought. With a thought. I can't physically make them do anything, but I can speak to them. I can put thoughts in there. I can manipulate their thoughts. I can control and program their thoughts. I can, like, ah, time for supper? Wait a minute. I can, I can just, wait, wait, wait. I can just, I can totally control. And then we have generations and nations that are totally off track, and we just can't wonder why. It's because it just starts with thoughts, and those thoughts begin to, begin to infiltrate our minds, and then when they infiltrate our minds, next thing we know, we have set up shop in the, in the plane of oh no, and in that plane of oh no, there's, there's nothing but discouragement, there's nothing but despair. Oh, it starts out with a, with a temptation of comfort. It starts out with a devaluing of your contribution, and it brings you to the place and sets you there in that dwelling place. And in that dwelling place, uh, you find yourself uh, so despondent uh, that you just you no longer see that there's any need for the wall because you're you're in this plane now. And because uh, what difference can you make? What difference is is it going to be if if you try uh, to to make any effort uh, to to see other people? Oh, they're too far gone. Just let them go. And I say, no, that's not the heart of God. What I say is it is time that the church stops shrinking back and starts stepping into the fray and saying, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. You're doing a great work, are you? What was the purpose? It was to 
Strike fear into your heart. Strike fear into your heart. He was there trying to make us afraid. Make us afraid. Now, I'm here to tell you, I ran across a nugget. Mm, it's a good one, too. You know, there's been attempts to cure cancer. I'm not telling you to cure cancer. God cures cancer with the, with the blood. <laughs> but there is a cure for fear. There's a cure for fear. God's given us that cure for fear. It's, it's a beautiful thing that we find in the commandment of God. See, we don't have to have, we in the Western world, we, we've got to have the science and we've got to have the nuts and bolts before we step into that place, a, a belief many times. When God said, if you just obey my word, it'll take care of all that. But in the word of the Lord, that brings us, uh, that brings us to 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse 16 through 18. This is the cure for fear. The reason the enemy wants to stop, wants to thwart, wants to say that you have devalued and you don't have a place, and it is so that he can, he can bring you the place of intimidation to get you to stop what you are doing for the Lord because he wants you to live in this constant state of fear. But the Bible gives us the answer for fear. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the nugget. It's a beautiful thing. According to research, the brain cannot respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. It's either or. Psychologically, our brains cannot respond to negative emotions, fear, anxiety, stress, worry, and positive emotions, gratitude, thankfulness, at the same time. It's one or the other. It's a choice. Fear and gratitude cannot coexist. If I want fear to leave, if I want fear to vacate, all I need do is to invite gratitude and thankfulness into the room. Thus curing fear. Now, it would be equivalent to having the liberal, left-wing, radical, opinionated uncle coming into the room... And sitting across the table from the radical, opinionated, conservative, right-wing uncle and expect those two to get along. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. One of them is going to get up and leave the room. <laughs> One of them is going to vacate the building. <laughs> It's just not going to happen. So if you find yourself afraid and you cannot seem to overcome that fear, then what you need to do is begin to engage yourself in gratitude. Start genuinely thanking God for what he has done, where you are at, and what has drove you to him. Amen? Here's the fact, folks. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And then, then give thanks in all things. 
I don't give thanks for many things, but I certainly give thanks in those things. Amen? Because there's some things that, that are just too heart-wrenching to bear. There is loss that is so hard to bear. And we don't thank God for that loss as often as we say, God, I just want to thank you for your comfort in that loss. But I have learned through the years, I have learned that it is far better. Now that I have this nugget of truth, I can hold on to that revelation. And when fear comes along, I can drive fear right out of the room by just giving God thanks. And I am learning to God, I give you thanks for everything and anything that drives me to you. Amen. Folks, we're coming into a day where our, many of the things that we tried in the past are not working anymore in the church. Many of the things that, that seemed to bring the crowds might have brought the crowds, but it may not necessarily brought the transformation. And we're living in a day where we need more than just crowds in the, in the house. And I want the crowds. I want every seat filled from the balcony to the front. I want to I, I, I see the, this campus flooded with people. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm more interested in is when people walk in bound in sin and sorrow and shame, that they walk out liberated by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm interested in is a supernatural encounter, not just a visitation, but the habitation of the Holy Spirit in the house. And folks, I have lived long enough to know this in my short tenure of 30 plus years of ministry to discover it always comes back to the Holy Spirit moving upon a people. It always comes back. And I have asked the Lord many times, Lord, what is it going to take? And it still comes back to that central theme, God must must move in order for generations to change and be transformed by the power of God. How do we get to that place? We rejoice always. We're going to rejoice all the way. We're going to pray without ceasing. And in everything, we're going to give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thankfulness. We'll drive out fear. Everybody, anybody ever been in a, just a state, dark, shrouded mindset of just can't seem to break the barrier to get through? I didn't have this nugget of truth, but I was driving along and coming back from work. I was a lay minister at the time. Driving along and I, I came back, uh, I, I, was, I would drive an hour one way and an hour home from work. And as I'm driving alone, I'm just calling out to God and I'm asking the Lord just to break this anxiety, break this fear off my life. But we were already involved and in, in we were in youth ministry and we were ministering to the youth, but I had this, this overwhelming sense of just gloom and despair and I just it just covered my mind. I'm driving along and I drive past my church where my son is now the youth pastor. And I look on the marquee, and it just had one word, thankfulness. I looked at that, and the Holy Spirit said, why don't you try, don't you try that? And the moment I did, that anxiety broke. But at the moment I did that, the anxiety broke. See, 
we can have revelation. But if we want transformation, we have to bring the application. See, God is not, he does not give us a grateful heart. A grateful heart is a choice that I make and you make. Am I thankful or am I entitled? Am I thankful or am I entitled? See, because entitlement always measures the losses where thankfulness measures the wins. Entitlement is not looking at what I have. Entitlement is looking at what I don't have. And I don't know about you, but that should either cause an ouch or an amen or a woe is me at least. Because when you get to that place where the enemy has drug you off into the plane of oh no and you have released your hands from the work, you find yourself in a harmful place of dissonance and and, and, and disconnectedness from the things of God. And when you're out there, his intent is to do you harm. How does he do you harm? By self-affliction, by discouragement, by devaluing your contribution to your family, to the body of Christ, to your school, young people, to the congregation. Get you to the plane of, oh no, and have you set up shop there. You start looking at what you don't have and why you can't do anything. I believe you should grow where you're planted. Use what you have and God will give the increase. Amen? But see, the cure, the cure for fear is a grateful heart. Is a grateful heart. Is having a life of thankfulness for what God has done. So while I'm in Mexico, we had some opportunity to do a lot of ministry. But I also had an opportunity just to get quiet before the Lord. And in the quiet time is such a beautiful time with God. You've got that rich touch of the Lord. And this is what the Lord spoke to me about this house. He said to teach them to live in the context of community. Live in the context of community. Well, that doesn't sound very profound. Well, it has profound impact. See, because wholeness is dependent upon our ability to live in community. The wholeness in the body of Christ, locally in the body at large, is dependent upon our ability to live in the context of community, common unity. That means that we strive for unity. It means that we may not agree on everything, but we need to find the things that we do agree about. That we are in agreement. Because how good and how pleasant it is when the children, when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's like the, the oil dripping from the beard of Aaron. If you want the house of God to be more anointed than it's ever been, and the preachers to be more anointed than they've ever been, then folks, let's come together in unity. 
common unity. Let's come together in community. And what we will see is an exponential increase in the body of Christ. Eleven times it is mentioned, one accord. In other words, being in agreement in the book of Acts. Seven of which pertains to the church. And all seven times that the church was in agreement, powerful things happened. People were delivered. They were set free. Walls were shaken. Prisons were open. People came to know God. Why would the enemy want to bring you to the plane of oh no and devalue your work and cripple the body of Christ? Because he knows if we ever come together with unity, he has no hope in this city. Amen. Community. But see, we will only be thankful for what we value. We'll only be thankful for what we value. We don't, if we don't value, we're not going to be thankful. If I don't value, then I'm going to be fast and loose. When my granddaughters come over, you know full well, when those three of my granddaughters, the youngest, you better nail it down or put it up. Because <laughs> there's tornadoes blowing through. <laughs> if it's of any value, you better not leave it out. So anytime they bring something up to me, the first thing I do is I look at it and I value it. You can have it, baby. Go play. <laughs> they reach for naughty stuff, and I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> let go. Let me, let go, I said. <laughs> Release, and I get it from them. <laughs> and if I have anything of any value, I put it in safekeeping. <laughs> can I get a knuckle bump over here from my grandpa? You know what I'm saying? See, if we value, if we value each other, there's a gratitude that naturally comes. If I value where you're at, what you're going through, your well-being. I know I can't, we share burdens. I can't carry your burdens. You can't carry my burdens. But we can share one another's burdens. See, we value from the eldest to the least. That's what it means to live in community. See, the enemy would love nothing more but just to get us off track by keeping us so distracted and that, and that persuaded that what we, our presence is not even needed and we're of no value. And next thing we know, we start devaluing ourselves and our work. We'll start devaluing the, the work of God. And then we will find ourselves in a place of isolation and loneliness and in that plane of, oh, no. And let me tell you, there's nothing but discouragement there. There's nothing but discouragement there. But it all begins with a thought. It's just a thought. I don't really like you anymore. That's just a thought. They're not going to follow you anymore. That's just a thought. You're not, you have no business in, in your position. That's just a thought. Unless I take hold of it. Unless I receive it. Bring it in. Nurture it. Give it a place at the table. Walk with it a little bit. Talk with it a little bit. Come on, we're going to town. 
Scoot over, honey. We've got someone joining us today. And discouragement will suck the ever-loving life out of you. It'll bring you to the place. Starts with discouragement. It leads you on to depression. And that depression will lead you into disenfranchisement. You will, you will disconnect to the place. I'm not telling you there's not seasons and there's times of rest and all those things are included. We understand that. I'm talking about being involved in the body of Christ with the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit and slaying the giants of fear and anxiety through a heart of gratitude and thankfulness because, my Lord, we are privileged to be a part of the body of Christ. Now, don't I look a lot older than I am. I'm only 25. I don't look a day over 70, but I, I, I'm only... But the older I get, the more I realize how precious time is. When you're, you're, you're there and you're up nights and you're wondering, is this child ever going to sleep? We wore out three rocking chairs trying to get Landy to sleep. There were days we'd walk in and mom be so exhausted. It's like, okay, you get up now. I was like, okay, why didn't we nurse and why did we go to bottles? Oh, that was my idea. Woo! We won't do it with the next one. We were told, yeah, you just leave them in the crib and let them cry it out and then it'll all be okay. It wasn't okay. We left her in the crib and she dove over the top of that crib. We had to get her in the car and drive for hours. This child would not sleep. Thus the gray hair. I call this one Laney, this one Hannah, and this mane right here is Jacob. Now I'm getting some grays on my arms. I'm just going to call that my granddaughters. <laughs> Where was I going? I don't know. But you think, man, will this night ever end? And then you look up, and these beautiful babies, not a beautiful woman, beautiful people, loving God and following after the heart of God. I tell you, there's nothing. There's nothing worth, it's all, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. See your, your children get up and just express the love of God and using and utilizing their gifts. See, it happens in a flash, a moment. It's here and it's gone. That's why we've got to cherish, value, our contribution, our presence, our encouragement. There have been times in my life personally where a very well-placed strategic word of encouragement came from an individual at the right time, at the right moment, and it was all I needed to keep going. Because that person valued, and I valued them, 
There's been times where I have picked up, picked up the phone and the Lord laid somebody on my heart and I picked up the phone and called a friend at a very strategic moment, not even seeing them for a long time and say, man, what are you going through? Where are you at right now? I've been praying for you. And them to, to express on the other end of the line, oh my God, you can't know how much I needed this at this moment. Folks, I'm saying to you, we've got to encourage one another. We've got to strengthen one another. You are needed in the body of Christ now more than ever as we see the day approaching you are needed now more than ever my heart's desire is that God would put in your heart not to shrink back we are too close to the finish and folks when we get to the other side we're going to wish that we had done more we're going to pray that we had done more we're going to believe say God oh Lord God could I have not done a little bit more for the kingdom of God See, our community can be no greater than our relationships. We're only as strong as the value we place upon relationships. If we don't value relationship, then we don't value community. And it's going to lead us to a place of ingratitude. See, I can only be thankful and protective for what I value. Jesus valued us individually so much that he left the 99 to go after you. He left it all because he valued every single Individual. Regroup, retool, re-energize. Rejoice always. Rejoice all the way. Pray without ceasing. Lord knows we get tired. Lord knows that the day-to-day, week-to-week, end-on-end. Take a step back. Compose yourself. Ask the Lord, where am I at? God, re-energize me. Let there be a let there be a, a, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Let there be a fresh energy come. I pray the Lord every day, God, don't lift your favor. I can't do anything without your favor. Lord, I pray every day, God, give me your grace. I can't do anything without your grace, but my Lord, I can do all things through you. Lord God, if you grace me, I'll do it. If you'll grace me, I'll go. If you'll grace me, I'll run. If you'll grace me, God, I'll just keep going and going and going and going. Lord God, but I've got to have your grace. And Lord, I need your grace to build community in this house. Common unity. You're of far more value than you could ever know. There are more people that are going to be reached by you than you can even comprehend. There are more eyes on you right now than you even know. Your very presence brings encouragement to someone else. I know we're not about the numbers and the crowds, but folks, let me tell you, when you show up and you're setting or you've taken a position and you're occupying and you're faithful day in and day out, let me tell you, it is an encouragement. to no, If no one else, it's encouragement to me. I, I, it's an encouragement to the Lord. You're just like, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to keep going. I, I'm not going to clock. I'm not going to check out. I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to do what I'm doing. By the power of God, if God's shifting you in ministry, that's fine. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, are you where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing? Or is there a persuasion that you need to go to the plane of Ono? See, because if you start devaluing the work, you ultimately have to devalue those in whom you are ministering to. You want to change it? Drive fear out of the room? Start initiating psychological chemistry that God put in you. In all things, give thanks. You want to know the will of God? It's to be grateful. You know what gets God's attention? Well, there were ten lepers that came along and all ten were healed. Nine of them left. But one returned to thank him. He said, where are the rest of them? I don't know. This one came back and gave thanks, and he's not even of the covenant people. He's an outsider, but he has a grateful spirit. I want you to be happy. I want you to be whole. I want you to be delivered. I want you to walk as a fierce individual against the kingdom of darkness because there's so much light in you that darkness wouldn't dare come near you. How do we get there? We drive out fear through gratefulness. We just start thanking God for what he's done. And when the hard times come, this is what I've been thinking, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can't do this without you. Thank you, Lord God, that we got to have a move of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, that you have, Lord, purposely and intentionally put us in this nation and this generation for this hour and for this day we've got to have a move of God we've got to have a move so much that it transforms individuals it takes them out of slavery of sin out of the tyranny of the enemy and sets their feet upon a path and they're moving and they're living according to the will and the word of God and all of a sudden you don't have to look next Sunday to see where they're at because there's something come alive on the inside of them you don't have to beg them to the house you got to make sure that you got the doors open early enough because they're beating on it. Let me in. I need to have church today. I don't know. Is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask? God, if you've done it before, you can do it again. You can take 120 and turn them into 3,000 overnight. And not have, a, have to have a follow-up program. You don't have to beg them or plead with them or bargain with them to read the Word of God. There is a hunger that's coming on the inside of them and a craving for the things of God. I don't know, is it too much to ask? See, the enemy wants to borrow your imagination. Because his filthy, nasty Imagination has no limits. He wants to fill you with a bunch of thoughts so that he can have a heyday in your imagination. But see, the Lord Jesus, he wants to invade your imagination with his imagination. Unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundant, Above all you could ask or think, according to the power 
working on the inside of you. See, he wants to in, he wants to step into your imagination and let you see yourself doing things beyond your ability. I asked the young people this morning if they could imagine themselves laying hands upon the sick and seeing them recover. And we see that <clears throat> as quite intimidating. We see that as something beyond our ability. And it is. And it should always, should be. But if we understand that we're just a conduit, we just, we're freely receiving, didn't cost us, cost him everything, and we're freely giving. We're just releasing. We're just here. We're, we're, the, con, we're the conduit. We, we reach to heaven and heaven flows through. That's this what it is. Reaching to heaven, it flows through us. Thank God for failed ministry. Hear me. Thank God for failed ministry. Thank God for blockades in the road. Thank God that the Lord lifts his favor sometimes off of our ministries so that we never understand that we don't live in a place of independence of him. Especially when he wants us to move us into deeper depths and higher heights. Thank God that he lifts. Thank you, Lord. We are dependent upon you. Thank you, Lord. We're not going to do this without you. Thank you, Lord, that you are so committed to relationship that you will not always bless our programs. You will not always bless the things that we're doing when you're get, getting ready to move us in a different direction. Thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, you will lift long enough, long enough for us to get thirsty and hungry, that we forsake it all and we get right back to God. And we say, Lord, thank you that we can't do this without you. Thank you, Lord God, that you want to do this with us. Thank you, Lord God, for the partnership that you have brought us into. And Lord God, we will build community in this house. Worship team, come on back up. Come on back up. The greater... Just felt like that kind of moment, didn't it? <laughs> the greater the relationship, the greater the consideration. What do I mean? My relationship with my wife, you guys can start playing, just mess with you. In a physical structure, my relationship with my wife, second to none, by my children, by my grandchildren. So my decisions have to consider her. Her decisions, she has to consider me. From there, I have my, my children and my grandchildren. See the hierarchical structure that God puts in place all the way down to our ministry. See, if I make a spending decision in our household budget, I've got to consider her and she considers me. 
So the greater the relationship, the more consideration we need to put upon that relationship. But see, to live in the context of community is never to live in isolation. So even in the body of Christ, it's brothers and sisters. I have to consider you, you consider me. It's not as great as a relationship with my wife, but it is a great consideration. So the decisions I make need to be governed by the greatest relationship that I have or should have. The greatest relationship that I should have is with the Lord. And my relationship with the Lord should determine every, should be brought into every decision that I make pertaining to relationship and community. Amen? And if we will just start right there, folks, we'll start to see things happen in a sense of unity. Instead of being discouraged, we'll start being encouraged by thanking God for those that we have that God has brought together and for the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of his kingdom. He did not have to choose us. We didn't get here by ourselves. He chose us. He valued us enough that he died for us. And he rejoices over you. And when you come into relationship with him, he's like, now, I want to take this gratitude and I want to put it in you. Now I want you to go and I want you to, come on now, we're, we're working this thing together. And he moves us out. And now all of our decisions start with him and trickles down to all of our other relationships. But see, the enemy would love to draw us out into the plain of Ono to where all we can see is ourselves. You see, it's hard to have a flow. See, the flow has to come down. It's not going to go up. You see what I'm saying? The flow of the Holy Spirit is by relationship with Him that flows downward. Downward. And if I'm isolated and alone, if I'm separated in the plane of Ono, if I'm living in a place of discouragement, if I'm living in a, in a place where all I can see is, is myself and how things affect me and where I'm at, and I just, I've devalued, uh, I've listened to the enemy, I've, I've listened, yes, he was relentless, yes, he went after me, you know, as with all the hounds of hell to talk you off of the wall, and now you're off the wall and you're in the plane of Ono, what happens? Uh, you're living in a place of fear because you have devalued, and now there's no gratefulness. All you can see is, oh God, get me out of this. I don't know what to do with this anymore. Here is where I'm at. And now discouragement has come in and God is saying, no, you can get out of that by turning around and turning toward me and start asking me to help you and begin to be thankful for the things that you have. And folks, that gratitude will drive that fear out of your life. Even in the plain of oh no. You can get back to the wall. Stand across this room. Lane, you just begin to leave whatever's on your heart. If you're in this house today and you say, oh, just a minute, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. No, you're good. You're good. You're cheering, 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 cheering. You're all right. You're all right. Lift your hands to the Lord right now.